Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. of you are sick of basketball already no man it, oh i see one hand in the whole room can i get the ushers to remove no if you don't know uh it's march madness man we're in full swing how many of you filled out a bracket this year trying to figure out who's gonna win who's gonna win <laughs> okay we, can i get another two big ushers to come <laughs> He said North Carolina. I don't know. I don't know. He's getting ready to have a revival here in a minute. We'll, I'll, you'll understand here in a minute. I hope you filled them out. I hope you're doing better than I'm doing. I got all messed up after the first day. I did great the first day. Called them all right except for one. And then the second day, Ichabod, the Spirit of God, left the room. I don't know what happened. Man, it just all messed up. But uh, anyway, I, I got the big dogs in there still, so uh, we're all right. But we've been talking about basketball. And if you, you know, if, if basketball is not your cup of tea, that's fine. And, but there are spiritual implications and lessons that you can learn from basketball. You remember the first week we talked about fouls, that you got to learn that in the game of life and as you're walking through this spiritual experience called Christianity, there will be some fouls. You will foul somebody, and somebody will foul you. That's just a given. And you might as well get ready for it. You got to learn to play with fouls. You got to learn what you do when you foul. And I talked to you about that. And I also challenged you that, according to Paul, we're not supposed to regard each other after the flesh, but after the spirit. You're going to get, if you just regard me after the flesh, you're going to get hung up on my flesh and you're not going to like me very much. But that's okay because I probably won't like you very much either because we just, we're just weird like that. But if we regard each other after the spirit, then when I look at you, I don't see your flesh. I see God working in you and through you, and I see an anointing upon your life, and I see potential and destiny, and I can pull on that. And then last week we talked about the triple threat. You remember in basketball there's a position that looks like this, and when you get in this position and triple threat, that means from this position you can do one of three things quickly. You can shoot the ball, you can pass the ball, you can dribble the ball. And I told you that out of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus said there are three elements in our Christian walk that produce in us a threat to the enemy. Remember what they were? The first one is... Come on, remember, giving, right? Remember that one? And then the second one, I said the second position is praying. And then the third position was fasting. That's right. That is the triple threat. And when we involve and incorporate those things in our life on a daily basis, like Jesus said, not if, but when you give, when you pray, when you fast, then we become a huge threat to the enemy. So I want us to just go a little bit further this morning and look at another aspect of uh, basketball that has implications for us spiritually. Now, uh, y'all just going to have to ignore uh, Tari during this video because I know there's going to be just an empowering of the Holy Spirit during this video and he's going to get all excited. But I want you to watch this video because it will teach us a, a truth this morning. So watch carefully. Shoot one. Three on one. Howard will challenge Salvadori. And that's a 10-point lead for Michigan. King got caught. Saved by Weber. 
Montross with two hands taken away by King. Jalen Rose gives it up last minute. Weber underneath for the Wolverines. Williams. Oh, is that beautiful. Tipped out to Montrose. That was Lynch. They've got the break. Carolina can take the lead. Phelps up with it. And down oh, oh. Carolina leads by one. Going inside, but it's tough to score in there with that double down help. Lynch and a tough shot. Lynch to Montrose. Got to take there it. it is. You've got to look to score. Jackson firing up a three. He got oh, a huge one. He got it. Three to tie. Got it. Oh, it sure looked good. Weber underneath. One point game. Long. A two to tie. Michigan will have to bring it. Oh, he walked. Up. He walked and the referee missed it. Weber brings it into the front court. They have no timeouts remaining. Oh, he causes he too many timeouts. That's a technical foul. He called a timeout. Michigan doesn't yes. have any. He got by with a walk, and Jimmy calls a technical. He, he calls a timeout. He doesn't realize that's Michigan's too many. And so it'll be a technical foul. North Carolina shooting and the ball. A huge mental mistake. Weber thought they had a timeout in their pocket. <laughs> Dean Smith, eight seconds away from a second national championship. The Fab Five comes up short again. There you have it. North Carolina is the 1993 national champion. All right, what you just witnessed is probably one of the most memorable moments in a March Madness championship game ever. It was 1993, and uh, this guy by the name of Dean Smith, uh, some kind of halfway good coach, was coaching the North Carolina Tar Heels, and they were playing against Steve Fisher's Michigan uh, team. And Michigan had five freshmen that were phenomenal, and they'd named themselves the Fab Five, basically. And they come into this game, and at the end of halftime, Michigan's up by 10 points. It looks like it's going to be a runaway. And all of a sudden, North Carolina starts coming back, and they finally take the lead by one point. And now Michigan has the ball with the opportunity to tie, take the lead, and about 15 seconds left, and you saw what happens. Chris Weber thinks that he well, – first he walked, but then he don't, – don't, don't cry over spilled milk. He, he, he walks, but he gets away with it. He thinks he's got a timeout. He runs down the court. He gets trapped by North Carolina, and he calls a timeout, and they don't have any timeouts left, and the, that's an automatic technical foul. So North Carolina gets bailed out again and, and gets uh, – and, uh, <laughs> and ends up winning uh, by six points and become the national championship uh, winners. And so th that lesson teaches us this. Chris Weber teaches us for all of eternity. Everybody that follows basketball remembers that game if they were alive. Because what that game does and what Chris's mistake did is it teaches us how important timeouts are in the game. And so this morning what I want to do is I want to look very quickly at several things about timeouts, some general information, make some spiritual application. But uh, I'm going to reference several verses of Scripture throughout my message. But just in case you're one of those people that have to have a text right at the beginning, here's your text. I think the best place for us to start is go back and look at the first timeout ever recorded in history. It was in Genesis chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. It says this, By the seventh day God had finished the work He had been doing. So on the seventh day He rested from all of His work. He called a timeout. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating 
all that he had done. So what happens here is you know what takes place. God is in the creation business. He's created everything that we see. And all of a sudden, he calls a time out. And then later in Exodus, you know that he institutes the Sabbath for us as a day of rest to, to point back to the seventh day of creation that he took a rest. Now, so let me say some things about timeouts that you need to apply and know about in your own spiritual walk. The first one is this. Everybody needs a timeout sometime. It doesn't matter if you're Superman. It doesn't matter if you've been running marathons and you never think you're tired. The reality is, is that in any game of basketball, everybody needs a timeout at some point during the game. And, and that's true in, our, in the life of an existence of our own father. Because if you think about it, what do we know about God? He's all-powerful. He never runs short of power. He always has sufficient power, more power than he even needs. He is so powerful that he created everything that we see, everything that we know about, everything that we don't know about. He's got that much power. And then the writer tells us this, that God never sleeps and he never slumbers. You can never catch him off guard. And yet God, even though he never gets tired, never takes a break, never sleeps, on the seventh day, even God called a timeout. You know what God is teaching us? He's teaching us this. The basics of what he's teaching is, is this. If creation didn't cr crash when I rested, it won't crash when you do. See, what we do is we build our own little universes. Oh, I know you don't think your world revolves around you, but I do. I think the world revolves around me. I know I'm, I'm the only one here that thinks that. But what happens is, is I think that if I don't keep going and keep going and keep going, that my world will fall apart. And we're all like that. We need to understand that everybody needs a timeout at some time. Uh, Jesus himself would take timeouts and breaks. He would go to private places and spend time with the Father. Maybe Francis Chan said it best. He said this, we think that Jesus is a great Savior but not a great role model. When the American church has abandoned the simple, most simple and obvious truth of what it means to follow Jesus. Listen. To follow Jesus, you actually follow his pattern of life. And Jesus' pattern was that he would take a break and get rest for his body and rest for his soul on a regular basis. Is it just me or are we just really busy? I don't remember growing up thinking that my mom and dad and my family was as busy as I feel like my family is right now. We are constantly on the go. We're, we're constantly trying to wring the most out of life and the experience of life that we can. We work 24-7. We're always running here or there. We want overnight deliveries. We want fast food restaurants. We want microwave ovens. We want instant meals. We want instant family time. We want instant church. Just keep me 45 minutes and let me go on my way. And we always want everything now. We're always in a hurry. So what we do is we wear cell phones so that you can always get a hold of me. Like, I don't know if you're like me, but even when I put my pajamas on, the next thing I do is I clip my phone to the side of my pajamas. That's just how I roll, you know? <laughs> Got to be accessible. We want the internet. I don't want to shop at a store. I want to shop on the internet because then they're never closed. That's why we love Wendy's. They're open up all night long. I can get a Frosty at 2 a.m. if I want to. And I love Walmart being open 24 hours a day because I can go buy my Fruity Pebbles at 4.30 in the morning if I need to. And we're always on the go, always busy, always trying to wring out the most of life that we can. But what we've forgotten is this, warp speed can warp your soul. 
warp speed. One man asked this question. He said, how thin can I spread myself before I'm no longer there? Some of you are right there, right now. You're spread out so, many, so thin, you got your hands in so many things, you can't do any of it well. One, one writer says this, he says, some of us live our lives so chock full that the Lord can't get our te- attention long enough to make himself known. He said, our psyches are so programmed for action and accomplishment that we're unable to hear God speak. The static in our soul is sufficiently loud that the whisper of the Spirit gets drowned out. Our hurrying disease our, or urgency addiction sucks spiritual life out of us and turns us into hollow performance machines. We need time out. Everybody needs a time out at some time. He modeled that for us on purpose. The second thing you need to know about timeouts is that you can use timeouts to do one of two things. You can use timeouts to either break momentum or create momentum. How many of you watched a basketball game and, and the, the, the game's going and all of a sudden this team begins to make this huge run. They start scoring every time they shoot. And all of a sudden the other the opposing team, the, the coach calls timeout, timeout, timeout. You know what he's trying to do, right? Break momentum. He's trying to cause them to slow down a little bit. So you can use timeouts to break momentum, but you can also use timeouts to create momentum because if your basketball team's not playing very well and they're just kind of going through the motions and they're not executing well and they're just kind of real lethargic and apathetic, you know what you do as a coach? Timeout, you bring them to this bench and they don't want to come because they know what's getting ready to happen, right? You're going to ream them out. And out of that, what you do is you pump them up so much that they gain momentum. And I thought about that in our spiritual walk. The same is true in our spiritual walk. I thought about Scripture. In Scripture, there's an instance. You remember the story of John Mark. The Bible says that Barnabas and Paul were getting ready to go on a missionary journey, and they took John Mark along. But on something happened while they were getting ready for, to leave on the journey. He became homesick, and he turned his back and left the mission trip. And you know what happened? He called a timeout that broke momentum because now Barnabas and Paul begin to fight over John Mark. And it breaks the momentum of the trip. Or I thought about in, in Scripture, how, how do we use timeouts to gain momentum? I thought about Saul, who later becomes Paul. You remember when he's on the Damascus Road, and the, and the Lord blinds him and knocks him off his horse. Then the Bible says that God calls a timeout and sends him to the desert for three years. And then when he comes back, he's, pe- he's preaching with power and authority. Why? Because the timeout created momentum in his life. And I thought about Jesus when he goes to the garden. Think about what happens in that garden. It was a timeout moment that Jesus had to get in the presence of God so that he could come to grips with the nevertheless moment where whatever you want to do, I will allow you to do it. And the Bible says that out of that garden experiences, he now has the momentum he needs to face a cross. And so my question for you this morning is, where are you? Some of you are being battered by the enemy so strongly and so severely. You feel like that your life is falling apart and you're constantly under attack. God or you may need to step in and call a timeout and break the momentum of the enemy. If everything is going wrong, call a timeout. And get away and allow the Holy Spirit to refresh you. Or maybe for you, maybe you're lethargic and you're not executing life very well and you're just kind of going through the motions and we need to call a timeout to get your rear in gear. So let's call a timeout. I call a timeout right now. Timeout. All right, we'll see if this breaks momentum or not. We're going to do our drawing for our two prizes right now because you'll understand why in a minute. So we're going to do two drawings real quick to win these prizes. The first one is Angela Scott. Is that right? 
Is there an Angela Scott here? Somebody throw one in that's not here? Okay, got to be present to win. Do another one. Yeah. Jared Atkinson. Uh, finally, he said, yeah, all right. Uh, Buffalo Wild Wings or Starbucks? Why is it the guys always take the Buffalo Wild Wings and the girls always take the Starbucks? I don't understand. All right, next one. One more. This one's for the Starbucks. And Christian Bond gets the, the, the Starbucks there, so... Uh, we know you won't get a bit of that because I know what's going to happen. But anyway, so, um, so there's our timeout. So everybody needs a timeout, and timeouts can either create momentum or break momentum. There's another truth I want to teach you about timeouts, and that is that we call timeouts in the game of basketball for one of three reasons, and those three reasons have implications for us spiritually. The first reason that a coach will call a timeout for his basketball team is so that his team can rest. They've been running up and down the court like mad men or mad women, depending on if it's guys or girls. And, and they're tired and they get exhausted. The adrenaline's pumping and they get worn out. And so they call the timeout. And you need to understand that God wants us to occasionally call timeout so that we can rest. That's the whole concept of the Sabbath. Did you know that this, the concept of the Sabbath has absolutely nothing to do with being legalistic about a particular day? We get hung up on what day. Is it a Saturday? It's the seventh day, so it's got to be a Saturday. Or was it a Sunday? I mean, whole denominations have been formed around whether it's a Saturday or Sunday. That's not the point. The point is, is that the Sabbath teaches us how to work. God uses the Sabbath to teach us healthy work ethic and habits. And it's his way of showing us that there's a healthy way to work. You need a day off. You need a Sabbath on which you rest. It, the Sabbath teaches us the ebb and flow of a game. Did you know there are high moments in a game and a low moments in a game? There's an ebb and flow, and we call timeouts to get rest so that we can handle all the changes in the game. The second reason that a coach calls, a good coach anyway, calls timeout is to deal with strategy. When they pull them over into the huddle on the sidelines and they take that little marker board out and they draw on it, they're not playing hangman. They are, plan they are planning strategy. They're saying, okay, the post is making this move, and so we need to counteract that. Or if you'll go this way and run this screen, then you'll be open for a shot. They're planning strategy. And what Jesus wants us to do is call time out so that we can deal with strategy. I can prove that to you out of Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. It says this, are you tired? Worn out, burned out on religion. Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you to how, how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. And listen, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. What's he saying? He's saying, Jesus is saying, if you'll come spend time with me and get away with me and allow me to take you in a timeout period, I can teach you strategies on how to live your life freely and lightly. How many of us need to live our life more lightly than we do? And the only way that that happens is by strategizing. Timeouts are crucial because it's during them that we learn to live again. See, my concern is this, is that what most of us do when we call a timeout is we veg out. We don't think, we don't strategize. All we want to do is just set me on a couch, give me some bonbons, and let me watch TV and not have to think. 
and we never take the timeouts. We waste the timeouts that we're allotted because we don't take advantage of them and strategize and get God's plan. See, my concern is this, is we like to run away from, but we never plan on what we're going to run away to. We need to plan and have strategy. The third thing that I would say to you is that a really probably one of the most overlooked and underestimated aspects of a timeout and what it accomplishes for a basketball team is that when they call the timeout, it allows the teammates to reconnect with one another. You think about it, they've been running up and down the floor doing their own thing. Man, I'm trying to score, I'm trying to defend, I'm trying to dunk. And I've been trying to dunk for years, not getting any closer. But I'm trying to do my own thing. And now all of a sudden the coach calls a timeout. And what it allows me to do is go back into the huddle with my teammates and we could do several things there. One, I can, I can encourage you. One, two, I can pat you on the back and say, man, you're doing awesome. You're doing everything. Man, you're just an awesome guy. I'm glad you're on my team. I can confront you if you're not playing the way you should be playing. You're not guarding like you should be guarding. I can challenge you. But what it does is it allows us to get back into connection with one another and get reconnected with our teammates. One man said it like this. The most disturbing result of hurry sickness is that I start to see those around me as obstacles that slow me down. Playing catch in the yard, leisurely walks with my wife, an unstructured evening at home are viewed as interruptions. Yet scripture instructs me to invest the time required to, to cultivate rich relationships. And listen to this statement. I want you to catch this. A hurry sick world accepts shallow relationships as the necessary price of achieving our individual ambitions. And I want, it, I want you to hear me clearly this morning. If all you ever do when you come to passion is get to know what each other's back of your head looks like. And we are not intricately involved on a regular basis in a deep relationship with one another. So that when you have a problem at 2.30 a.m. you can pick up the phone and call somebody and know that they'll listen and know that they'll help. Then we have wasted the timeouts. I don't want to just come and hang out and get our glory bumps on and our praise on and never get involved in one another's life. If you've got an issue, I want somebody I can call at 3 in the morning and say, my world is going down the tubes and I need somebody to pray for me and to listen to me and cry with me and hold on for me. And we don't do that if we don't take the timeouts to get to know one another. That's why our pods, our small groups are so important because it is in those environments, not when your hands are raised and you're looking at each other's rear that you get to know one another. It's when you're sitting around a coffee table saying, you know what, I'm struggling. It's when you're out there playing softball like we're doing now and we're going, man, life is not great right now. That's when we get to really know each other. That's what timeouts are for. Jesus wants us to live that way. The fourth truth that I want to mention quickly is that timeouts can be called by the coach or by the player. I mention that because there are times when the players are running up and down the court and they think they're doing really great, but the coach can look on from the sidelines and understand that they're starting to struggle, they're starting to get tired, they're not guarding like they should, they're not playing as tough as defense as they should, and the coach from the side can call a timeout. Have any of you ever had God call a timeout on you? 
we don't like those timeouts because how many of you know when God hides you, ain't nobody can find you? We try to get back up on the stage. We try to get the microphone back. We try to do the ministry. We try to advance, and nobody seems to know where we are. We're lost. I was reminded of a portion of Scripture that I had read. You've read it. It's Psalm chapter 23. You could probably quote it backwards. But in verse 2, there's a statement there that I'd never read like this. He says, that talking about God, that he makes me lie down in green pastures. Not he asked me for permission, not he asked me if I want to, not that I expected to, not that I'd anticipated or wanted to. It says he makes me lie down in green pastures. Some of us, God has to come along and hit us with a two by four and make us take a rest. And that's what he wants to do for some of us. The coach can call a timeout. He wants to call a timeout a lot of time to help us to adjust. In fact, Jesus called a timeout on his disciples in Mark chapter 6, verse 31. He said, let's get away from the crowd for a while and rest. So do you know what that means? We have to trust the coach again. The only time we ever get in trouble, it seems, is that when God calls a timeout, we want to keep playing. And you know what, you know what that means, right? That means then we're playing in our own strength and power. And when we play in our own strength and power, we lose every time. And so we got to come back to this place where we trust God again. And if he calls a timeout, we go, you know what? I got the best coach, and I know he's got my best interest at heart. And if he called a timeout, then I'll sit down for a while. The second part of that is, that, uh, is this. I want you to know that anytime you see a really good head coach that's winning a bunch of games, what you've got to understand is that most likely he's got good assistant coaches too. They're sitting on the sidelines, and while he's thinking about strategies and plans and arguing with the referees and doing all the things, jumping up and down, throwing chairs, all the stuff that head coaches do, the assistant coaches are sitting on the sideline going, that guy's getting tired. We need to call a timeout. And he'll go to the head coach and say, call a timeout. And what I want you to understand is that God wants to place some assistant coaches in your life, some friends and some accountability partners and some family members that can observe your life from the outside and go, you know what, their life is out of balance right now, and I'm going to blow the whistle and call a timeout and say they need a rest. We need people like that. i got to have people like that in my life. So do you. But not only can coaches and assistant coaches call timeouts, the players can call timeouts. Now, there's two inherent risks there. The first one is this. If you just depend on the players to call timeout, here's the first risk. Most of them will never call a timeout. I mean, don't take me off the floor. I'm in, a, I'm in a groove. Don't take me off the floor. Just give me 44 more Mountain Dews and 16 Red Bulls, and I'll press through, buddy. I'll fight on through, right? And we just, we just fight and fight and fight. And now hear, hear my words carefully. And then suddenly we're defeated. Suddenly I'm stressed out at work. Suddenly, my marriage is about to end. Suddenly, I'm at the doctor's office for high blood pressure. Suddenly, I'm gaining weight. Suddenly, I'm doing all these things. Suddenly, overnight, no, 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 no. We just refused to call the timeout. And we tried to play through. And we get defeated. But there's a second risk in allowing the players to call a timeout. It doesn't happen very often. But it's perhaps even more dangerous because it can definitely cause you to lose the game. And you watch that on the video. And that is this truth. If we're not careful, we'll call too many timeouts. And that's more dangerous. Because those are the kind of people that God is saying, I want to use you. You've been sitting around, and now I'm, I'm trying to find you. And you've got purpose and destiny in your life. And I want to use you. And every time he tries to use you, you go, oh, timeout. I'd rather goof off. rather sit the bench. 
Can't use me. I'm a nobody. And we, we, we use timeout after timeout. Did you know you can run out of timeouts? Ask Chris Weber. He's never lived it down. Even to this day as a professional, that's the thing they always talk about when they show him shoot the basketball. He's the guy that called too many timeouts. And to, some of us call way too many timeouts. Which leads me to my fifth and final lesson this morning about timeouts. And that is this. Timeouts end at a specific time. There are two types of timeouts in the game of basketball, college basketball. The first one is 75 seconds or a minute and 15 seconds. And each team gets four of these a game. And then there's a second time. By the way, if you've ever wondered why the referee goes like this. When they call a timeout, that means it's the long timeout. It's a full timeout, 75 seconds. Or there's a second time, type of timeout that the teams get uh, two of these a game and they're like this. That's a 30-second timeout, short one, right? But they always end at specific times. In fact, what happens is it's the referee's responsibility to talk to the scorer's table ahead of time so that when they call a long timeout, 75 seconds, when there's 15 seconds left in the timeout, the score table is supposed to touch the button on the horn and make it beep just once, beep. And the referees, if they're good ones, they will walk. They'll quit talking and doing all the things they do with each other. And they'll go, yeah, I know y'all ain't seen that happen, but I've seen that happen. They'll go over to the, the benches and say, that's first horn, first horn. And that way the teams know they only have 15 seconds left and they got to get what they're doing done. Same thing with the 30 second. They end at a specific time. 75 second timeouts don't last six minutes. And 30 second timeouts don't last three. They end at a specific time. We say, well, what, does, what does that mean? Well, think about it. We go down to the Cox Center, and we're going to watch a college basketball game, or we're going to go down there and watch the Thunder. And just think the, the crowd has got their faces painted, and they've got their clapping things, and they've got their refreshments, and they're all excited, and they're cheering, and the game's going. And all of a sudden, one of the players calls a timeout, and they go sit down on the bench, and the, the horn is blown, 15 seconds left on your timeout, and they, all, they call the referees over and say, no, you don't understand. We call a permanent timeout. We're not playing anymore. We're done. We quit. It's over. Can you imagine the scene in that arena? There would be chaos. There would be stuff thrown. There would be language used. There would be anger, and some of you would have used it. And, and there would be people mad because timeouts are not supposed to be permanent. And I want to tell you something this morning. Some of you have been on timeout for way too long. God will call the timeout. An assistant coach will call the timeout. We will recognize in our own life that we're tired and we'll call the timeout. But there is a specific moment when that timeout is supposed to end. So let me break it down real practical for you. There it comes a moment where you've got to worship again, where you've got to serve again, where you need to love again where you need to get back in the game and fight again. There comes a moment where you've got to volunteer again. There comes a moment where you've got to get back into the game and get back into the groove. You can't stay out on timeout for the rest of your life. It doesn't matter how bad you've been hurt, how badly you've been discouraged. It doesn't matter how bad somebody fouled you and did you wrong. The timeout comes to an end. They're not permanent. So this morning, I want to tell you the four tendencies kind of, well, let me say this first and, and, then I'll, and I'll wrap up. The short timeouts, 30 seconds. Do you recognize this morning that what these services are on Sunday morning, when you come to Passion on a Sunday morning, do you know what that is? It's a short timeout. 
A long time out takes three or four days. You go off on a retreat or an advance or a conference or a sabbatical or whatever, and you get recharged and refreshed, and that's a long time out. That's not what our Sunday mornings are. These are short timeouts. They are life-giving moments of escape for you to come back into this place and gather with your teammates away from the game and get refreshed and renewed and recharged so that you can go back out and win. Four tendencies that we have with timeouts, and then I'm going to be done. The first one is this. We don't, take, we don't think we need them, so we won't call one. We're Superman, and then we suddenly get defeated. The second tendency is we call too many, and so we refuse to answer the whistle when, when that timeout ends, and we never get back in the game, and so we're defeated. The third one is this. We waste them. We waste our timeouts. We just veg out. We gain no rest. How many of you have ever been on a vacation? When you get back and say, man, I need a vacation from my vacation. How many of you are saying right now after spring break, man, I need a break after spring break, right? We, we gain no rest. We gain no strategies. We waste them. And the fourth thing is this. We underestimate the absolute importance of the short timeouts that we get every week at church. We just think we're just doing our deal. This is just, we're just doing church, man. No, no, no. What we do in here on a Sunday morning is vitally essential for your spiritual health. I want to reference one verse of Scripture and read one that I've already read to you, and then we're going to be done. You'll understand why we did our drawing when we did it. Paul must have known something. He must have known that we would need timeouts. Because he writes in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, he says this. I'm just going to paraphrase. He says, don't grow weary in well-doing. So what Paul must have understood is this. You can be doing really well and still get tired. You can really be shooting the ball well. You can really be praying all you need to be praying. You can really be fasting. You can really be serving. You can really be good, doing well. You can do great things for God and still grow tired. You know what I've noticed? Basketball players, when they're in the groove, don't like to be called out of the game. Somebody's just hit three three-pointers in a row, man. Coach calls up. Calls timeout, brings him out of the game, puts in a sub for him. You know what happens? He gets mad. Oh, y'all ain't been to the basketball games I've been to. They get mad. What are you doing? Taking me out of the game, man. I'm hot. But you can grow weary in well-doing. If you don't believe that, you just stop and think a minute for about the, the, the well-known, just the well-known, because we never hear about the unpopular pastors. But what about the well-known pastors that were bringing in thousands into their sanctuary that were preaching jaw-dropping messages that hundreds of people were getting saved. They were feeding the homeless, providing shelter for them, food for them. They were winning the world, and all of a sudden, they fall because they grew weary in well-doing. I don't know where you are this morning. Maybe you're doing better spiritually than you've ever done in your life, but you still have to be on guard to not grow tired while you're doing well. I want to read a verse of scripture that I've already read. I want you to listen carefully. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Are you tired? Are you tired? I want you to stop as we close this morning, and I want you to ask yourself this question. Am I tired? I didn't ask you how well you were playing the game. I said, are you tired? Jesus go, goes on, and he comes back, and he says, are you worn out? You don't understand, Pastor Steve. I'm fasting three times a, a week, and I'm, I'm, I'm chasing demons all over Oklahoma City, and they're scared of me. They know me my name. But, yeah, yeah, are you worn out? 
goes on and he says, come to me, get away with me, and recover your life. I'm reminded of the verse of scripture that Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. And I wonder how many of us are even coming close to experiencing abundant life. He says, I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. That means if we're worn out, then we took it on ourselves. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So my question, my challenge to you this morning is this. Are you tired? Here's what we're going to do in just a moment. I'm going to give you the opportunity to turn and kneel at your chair and take a 30-second timeout. It'll last a little longer than 30 seconds, but it will give you the moment away with God to recharge your batteries. Maybe you're hitting every shot, but you still need to recharge. You need, you need to take that moment away with God and renew your relationship with Him. But maybe you're like where I've been in my life. Have you ever been so worn out spiritually that you couldn't even pray? I've been there. I've been in a situa situation in my own life before. When I went to pray, I couldn't say diddly squat. I just sat there and went, I got nothing, God. It's at those moments that we need our teammates to come alongside of us and help us get back in the game. So this is what we're going to do here in just a moment. I'm going to ask you to stand and kneel at your chair. However, if you are in that position where you are exhausted spiritually and you don't even know if you know how to pray, then while everybody else is kneeling, then I want what I would ask you to do is just to walk down here with me and Julie. And or is, is Myra here? Uh, she may have had to slip out. Julie's going to play. I, I will pray with you as your teammate and get in contact with our coach again and see if you can get some courage. I want you to stand with me this morning. Father, this morning I pray that we would be real with you and that we would examine our own lives. If this is the best moment of our life spiritually and we're doing great, I pray that we would not grow weary in well-doing. But if we are exhausted this morning, if we are absolutely worn out, then I pray that during this, this short time out, just a brief moment, that we would reconnect with you and reconnect with one another and that you would refresh us and empower us and strengthen us and give us the ability to play the game well. In Jesus' name. Would you just turn and kneel right there at your chair and get along with God? If you need prayer this morning, not even sure you know how to pray, if you want to step down here, I will gladly pray for you.
Father, in this time away with you. Just a short time out. I pray that you would refresh us and renew us and strengthen us and encourage us and equip us and help us to find the plans and strategies that we need to go back into the game and to win, to overcome, to be victorious. And God, I pray that we would tune in once again to your voice. And if you call a timeout, we'll quit playing. And if you send... It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.